You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We're live from Sherm 22 and talking to some of the best minds in HR and business. We are digging into the most pressing issues in the workplace so you don't have to. Now, here's your host, William Tinkup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tinkup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast being broadcast at Sherm Annual in New Orleans. Uh, today, I'm joined by Nationwide, and I'm excited to learn all kinds of things. So why don't we do some introductions first? Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Heidi Sirota. I am the President and Chief Pet Officer of Nationwide's pet insurance business. And uh, it's the best job in the world, I have to say, right, to be able to protect pets. Uh, everybody loves their pet, and uh, it's great. Great position to be in. I love that. Good morning. Melissa Lovely. Um, I also work for Nationwide Pet, best job ever. Um, I lead all of our sales distribution channels, voluntary benefits, of course, being um, our largest uh, top-line growth channel. I love it. So I talk about pet insurance all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's odd because it came up, uh, oh, good gosh, about 10 years ago at Sherm, and I walked by a booth, and somebody was, you know, basically wrote me a no demo or something, and uh, I, I literally didn't know it was a thing. And then the same week, I visited Glassdoor out in Sausalito, and they had dogs and cats everywhere. Like, it was just a part of the office, right? And I thought to myself, that's cool. That's really, really cool. So what a week, because I did have a little intro into pet insurance and the, the wonderful world of pets, so but maybe the audience hasn't. So how do you want you to take us into kind of the wonderful world of kind of what you do, you know, tactically and maybe even strategically with pet insurance? Yeah, absolutely. So pet insurance is to protect you, uh, protect you from financial, you know, ruin should your pet have uh, a serious illness um, or even, you know, for wellness or everyday expenses. Uh, an average pet costs between twenty and forty thousand dollars over its lifetime to maintain, and um, pet insurance can really help with that. And people also, you know, they say within a pet's lifetime, uh, you're likely to see an emergency between two and five thousand dollars, right, where that you're not expecting. And so, pet insurance can help with that as well, just like human health insurance. Um, you purchase it. Uh, there is usually a deductible. Um, and then you use it for care, and it gets reimbursed at a percentage of the invoice, usually, a co-insurance. Right. Um, and uh, it's been really a lifesaver, literally a lifesaver, because oftentimes um, families who don't have the means to afford emergency care or chronic care for their pets have to make a terrible decision yep. between, you know, can they pay the rent or buy food or take care of their pet? Uh, that's a really a horrific decision to make. And so the idea of pet insurance is to help you not have to be put in that position and have the means to be able to afford their care and say yes to the, the treatment that the vet recommends. Well, and, and pets are like children. I mean, I know yeah. I have children, and so I know that when my wife and I, were, when we didn't have kids, our, our dogs were our kids. And even now, we still have dogs, we still have kids, but, you know, there are kids. And, you know, when you mentioned the emergency, it actually got me to think about how crippling just something like two to five thousand dollars you go to the you go to the vet and all of a sudden they're like you know jenny's got cancer or got something and uh that's a huge expense to just come out of nowhere what do you see when you talk to your partners so 
it's the most asked for almost uh, with my sales team from um, from brokers and, and employers. Um, and if you think about the generations, um, the multi-generations, so many being uh, millennial, right, and, and Gen Z, it is their children, right? And so they talk about uh, pet insurance being a lifestyle benefit, um, but it's really so much more than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter actually, she's 22, yeah. has a dog, just moved back in with us after graduating college. And her dog just uh, came down with crystals in her bladder. And, of course, she took her in for treatment and medicine, which cost a few hundred dollars. Um, and she was questioning, you know, because she's inexperienced with insurance, she was questioning, well, I, you know, some of this I have to pay out of pocket, so on and so forth. Why is the insurance worth it? Well, it turns out her dog needs surgery. It's going to cost five or $6,000. She's 22 years old. She doesn't have five or $6,000. She very quickly... <laughs> Learn the value of insurance. I understand what mom does now. <laughs> exactly. It is the first time in her, her life that That's she understood right. what she That's did. That's right. <laughs> and research shows us that um, a lot of employees say they couldn't handle $100 without being planned, right? right? Without having to tap into a credit card or something. And so it really can wreck financially the, the younger generation. Oh, 100%. Especially with student loan debt and all the other stuff that gets piled on. So the... Uh, the reason that it's important and why I've talked about it before is it's a benefit uh, to recruit people. So like we're talking about the you know, Gen Z or millennials and maybe they haven't had kids yet. Their iguana or dog, cat, whatever, is just as important. And so it's a way to think about recruiting in a different way. It's a, it's, it's a true benefit. We talk about, usually we talk about health benefits. And it's like, well, this is health benefits. It's just health for your animal, yeah. your pet. Well, you know, owning a pet or even just having pet interactions leads to better human health. 100%. Um, I'm on the board of the Human Animal Bond Research Institute. They've done a oh, lot of cool. studies together with Nationwide and other great companies um, about the human animal bond and how it impacts human health. Um, $12 billion a year is saved in the U.S. Um, in health care costs by pet interactions, people who have pet interactions. And uh, 74% of doctors would prescribe a pet for overall health if they could. They would literally take out a prescription pad and write pet if they could, and you could go to the pharmacy and fill it. Um, it's really important. It brings down, of course, stress and yep. depression. It raises, I think, mental health improves by about 97%. I could see that. Um, with pet interactions, which is why you see a lot of that, like at colleges where they bring in puppies during finals weeks, right? Um, so there's a lot of human health benefits to having and interacting with pets. My mind's exploding with all kinds of ideas because I'm a dog person, so I'll just put my bias out on the, on the <laughs> table. Um, but, but I can see that because they're, they're just, dogs have always, uh, they're just happy to see you no matter what. Like you had a bad day or whatever, they don't know it. They don't care. Uh, they're happy to see you. So I can see that being something that would really help if someone's going through some depression or going through some stuff like that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it really, pets are everything, <laughs> honestly. And you mentioned before how, you know, younger generations view their pets as their children. Right. I can tell you, there are many a grandparents in waiting that are going to get grand dogs and grand cats and not grandchildren. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's definitely a trend. And you mentioned the iguana; they're happy to see you too. Yeah, yeah. right. So that helps too. And we are the um, only carrier that has avian and exotic. And the last stat I heard about fifteen million employees, their pet doesn't have fur, right? So, so I was going to ask you the spectrum of animals that we uh, that you know what is 
uh, or what 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 have y'all seen under the coverage? What's what is and isn't covered? We cover thousands of species beyond dogs and cats. So many, I can't name them. No, no, fair enough. <laughs> as long as it's um, a companion animal that lives in the house. Right. Um, so it can be a bird, right. a snake, a right. lizard, a hedgehog, a ferret. Yeah. Um, you know, all kinds of animals. Lives in the house. It's domesticated yep. in some way. That's right. Oh, and that's with apartment living, you know, those, right. those fit better sometimes than a dog. So. Well, and oh, a lot of families, you know, have dogs and or have cats and right. Uh, yes, correct. So we've got a lot of a lot of our customers have multiple pets, and some of them are exotic. I actually knew someone in grad school who had cats, plural, and goldfish. And I'm like, did they get along? That's uh, that just doesn't seem like that's going to work out. That just uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like a good idea. So, Melissa, when when you talk to brokers, obviously they're front line dealing with, you know, their customers and, and things like that. How do they, uh, is, it, is it something that the customer comes to them and say, hey, do you, we've been asked by our employees, or is it something that they bring to their, their, their clients, y'all's clients? Most of the national benefit brokers know how important it is, and they're annually talking to their clients about it. But like um, Sherm, for example, we get a lot of direct leads that then they're like, oh, we just talked to the city of Philadelphia yesterday. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go back. They have a broker and talk right. to my broker and, and have them bring you all to us. So, oh, um, yeah, very organically because employees are asking them that's and right. then they ask their broker. Yeah, you'd be surprised um, how many companies already offer pet insurance. Right. Through Nationwide, uh, we're the leader in voluntary benefits. We started that business in 1999, um, and other carriers are just now starting to put their toe in the voluntary benefits business. We cover half the Fortune 500, um, more than 9,000 employers, wow. uh, mostly you know mid to large size, and right. so... Um, at this point, we're starting to go down market to smaller companies right. and find out how we help them as well offer that benefit. What do you see as the, I would say, the future of pet insurance? But what do you see, where is it trending? What do you think? And not flying car stuff, but just, you know, the next, although flying cars might, might be there really soon, but what do you see as where, where we're going with pet insurance? Well, I can speak to where we're going with pet you insurance. Go. Um, you know, we really have a commitment to try to protect more and more pets, lower the uh, point of entry for many pets and their families. 40% uh, of pets don't see a vet annually. And, you know, pet insurance as it stands today is not a, you know, a cheap proposition. Right. Um, we need to find ways to lower the cost of protection, whether that's lowering the cost of care or prescriptions or insurance or all three. It's, they kind of have to work together. It's funny, honey. As you're talking, it's not as if. You're talking about humans in the same way we're, t- you know, like, what, what can we do preventatively? How can we actually, actually, you know, proactively do things that's right. to reduce, you know, any, any of the things that might be cost drivers? That's so. right. And actually, I came from the human health space, so I bring that expertise with me. Um, One of the things we're doing in that regard, it's kind of our first entry in trying to really rein in some of these costs. Um, We have a program called Nationwide Pet Rx Express, um, and effectively, we have partnered with a pharmacy benefits manager. Uh, We're the only pet insurer that I know of that has done that to negotiate down drug costs through retail, human retail pharmacies. So uh, you can go to Walmart, for example, and get 
chronic medicine, chronic medicines like Epiquil, which is uh, for skin allergies, things like that, right. um, at a pretty good discount uh, over any other place. And that discount, of course, is um, you know after your deductible, after your coinsurance, what have you, your out-of-pocket costs will be reduced through that program. And we also have a um, you know a direct processing of the claim there. So at the pharmacy counter, just like as a human, you would show your nationwide pet insurance card, and they would process the claim for you. Right. And in some circumstances, can settle the claims for you right there. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. I was going to ask you about prescriptions, but you just nailed it. What's the when you look at pet insurance kind of as a whole, what are what are some of the larger categories? Is it is it emergencies or is it vet visits or is it pharmaceuticals or, yeah. or prescriptions? Like what is a, what does a pie chart look like? Um, I don't know if I have the exact numbers, but no, of course, okay. action, accidents and injury, you know, especially younger aged pets, right? Puppies get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> Puppies are... Uh, a great value proposition because they usually turn into very healthy dogs, but the first year they have a lot of issues. a lot of learning, <laughs> a lot of learning. That's right, um, just like kids. That's right. So we see a lot of you know the dog ate something. Um, uh, so that's a big category. Uh, wellness is a big mm-hmm. category, right? So buying heartworm, flea, tick, getting spayed, neutered, nail clips, all of that uh, obviously is a big expense. Um, and then, you know, chronic illnesses, um, whether they be bladder diseases, diabetes in cats, I think is a big one, um, you know, uh, joint issues with dogs. Um, so there's a few categories of diseases that are, you know, require a lot of care. Right. So I wanted to ask you about kind of pet health and how we evaluate pet health as we do human health. And so when we think about pet health, because I don't think sometimes uh, when people get a pet, especially when you're younger, you don't know how often you should do something, right? Like, you know, with a baby, it's like it's, you're... you're, uh, <laughs> you're I'm not doc- sure you know with a baby either. Very good point. I was about to go down this line. I'm like, I, I winged it. <laughs> but you yeah. get plenty of advice when you have a baby. That's right. right. You get nonstop unsolicited <laughs> advice if we said like literally if someone here said they were being they were pregnant or, or whatever people would come out of the woodwork and give them advice on here's what you gotta do here's what you need to do with your first child but how do we think about pet health in the same way as in terms of once a year you should take your your animal what's it, your pet to and again have a routine check around this because we do that with humans. I would assume that we, we should do this with our, uh, with our pets as well. Yeah. Well, I will say that humans don't do that enough either. They're not taking advantage of their preventive point, care point taken. Um, that their health plan pays for. Um, you know, people who um, have pets and purchase insurance or, uh, you know, have that tight bond often do sometimes get more care for their pet than they do for themselves. We actually find in studies that... Um, people will put their pet's health before their own, surprisingly. Um, and, uh, you know, pets need to go in, of course, every year to get their shots, um, their preventive meds, right, um, their rabies shot, um, and just get a general health checkup, get their teeth looked at, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, they're pretty easy beyond that as right. long as they don't come down with a chronic condition or have an accident. Right. So... I told my, do- uh, my sons the other day they're worried about one of the dogs getting lost. I'm like, well, we have microchips in them. And they both looked at me and I'm like, what? 
like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided a long time ago that just in case he got lost, that we could find a way to find him, etc. And uh, they were amazed by that because it, it, they, we obviously we don't have microchips on us. Although, wait, yes, we do. Technically, te- technically, <laughs> we, we do. Yeah, we carry our microchip. It's not in our body. It's That's right, or yeah, drive it's, it or whatever. So were they were they surprised that you knew technology or that you're over the top dog owner? Yeah, oh, I think they were surprised that the technology mm-hmm. that the te- technology exists. I mean, I know they know this exists, uh, the cell phone and the laptop and our iPads and all that stuff. But I think they were surprised about just being able to find the dog, being able to locate it, you know, like like a car, if you will, if, if you can't find your car. Do you, all, do you all see any of that, or do you see that being used with, with pets? Absolutely. Um, there are some major re- um, registries that we work closely with or have affiliations with uh, that are re- returning pets to their owners every day. It's a really important thing to get your pet chips. I know... I got my most recent dog from the can- from the pound. Um, was not chipped, right? So it yep. didn't go back to its owners. It thankfully came to me. But um, so many pets are, you know, stuck in shelters that just don't have those chips. And uh, they could be returned very easily right. if that were the case. And, you know, the family, it's excruciating. I can't yeah. imagine losing your dog, right? Right. Not know its outcome. It's, it's terrifying enough when your kid at the grocery store is a couple aisles away. Yeah. That, that terror, that sheer terror that comes <laughs> over you. Yeah. A dog is very much, or a pet would be very much the same thing. Melissa, when you when you talk to your partners and they need to explain, let's say they've never had pet insurance, or their company that they're working with has never had pet insurance, do you have a, do you have kind of a, I don't know, a way of kind of packaging up for them, kind of the pitch, so that they understand? Okay, okay, you now have this benefit. Here's how to use this benefit. Well, you can only imagine. So back to what Heidi said about Habri, right? We share a lot of the stats uh, as to what it does, right, to engagement and retention and and even recruiting talent, especially uh, with those younger generations. So we're always sharing the most up-to-date data to the brokers so they can add value to their clients. Um, But it's that simplicity of message. Um, You were just talking about mental health, and there's so many new things, student loan payoff, taking care of your elderly. There's so many voluntary benefits now that it's just so cluttered, that simplicity, right? So we just keep it really simple, and we have one of the most simple voluntary benefit products for that reason. It's simple to integrate in the process, but it's also easy to educate, um, you know, when the HR is trying to uh, get it out to their employees. So simplicity is really important. The messaging, because you know with health benefits, you've been in this this world uh, previously, once a year, there's the, you know, the sign-up, the open registration, right? And then there's a communication spree of whatever they've been signed up for. And so there's a lot of energy once a year, generally speaking. For seven minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, six and a half. Yeah. Uh, uh, getting, but, you know, this is, this is one of those things that you, you as a benefits manager, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're buying benefits, you want people to use them. This is what's interesting about this whole thing is like you want people to actually use the benefit because if they do, it's, it helps with engagement, retention, also on the recruiting side. So is there anything that you've seen with your customers, not naming names, of course, um, where they've done something really cool around pet insurance? So I think so. If you think about like 
well, not name a name, some of the yes. financial institutions like to, we're evergreen, so you can offer it 365 days a year, right? And what they do is it does get lost sometimes in the OE process because it's right. so many options and you have six and a half minutes. Um, so they do it throughout the year. So if they're having a financial wellness with some of their you know, offerings, they'll add pet because it helps financially. If it's a physical or mental wellness uh, event they're having, they'll bring pet into it because it helps there too. That's the employers that we really see great participation from when they really kind of message it all year long or during those other events. Yeah, it's, it's fully integrated right. at that point because it's health and then wellness and financial wellness. Yeah. It just becomes mental health, becomes part of all of it. Yeah. That's lovely. Do you have anything to add there? Yeah, just, you know, the benefits to the employer of pet insurance are pretty vast. Um, There is a 65% improvement uh, among pet-friendly companies, meaning companies that either allow pets in the workplace or have pet-related benefits. 65% better uh, performance in terms of people saying they would decline a job with similar pay um, if they're in a pet-friendly company. In today's you know, employment marketplace where we're all struggling to retain and and find, recruit people, that's a, a pretty amazing statistic. Um, and there is a 4X improvement in saying that you have a positive relationship with your manager when you're in a pet-friendly company. So pretty incredible. Um, you know, it's sort of intangible, but when you ask the question, you know, I'm sure it's because there is a larger effort among that employer to... Um, help the whole human being that works there, right? Pet inclusive uh, benefits is just one of those things. Um, and it really shows in the, in the engagement. So for the recruiters and talent acquisition and hiring managers that are listening, this is a way to uh, engage candidates in a conversation, uh, especially as we talk about a hybrid work environment, which is more and more the case as people are talking more and more about not necessarily a return to uh, work in, in the in the sense of 2019, but you know it's it's something that to, to, to if you want to separate yourself, pet friendly would be one an additional way to set yourself apart. Yeah, we have uh, one other stat: um, about half of Gen Zs and Millennials said that they would uh, having pet insurance or having a pet friendly benefit would influence them to stay at their job. Or look for another one. Um, so pretty important to that younger age group who they want to retain. 100%. Who are more mobile than, you know, the older age groups generally. Um, really important to give them meaning in their job and in the benefits that you provide. I love it. So let's let's pivot uh, to Sherm. You're here, New Orleans. <laughs> and uh, what do you expect? Uh, what, do you, what do you want to get out of the conference? Well, we have our voluntary benefits sales team. Uh, we have the best booth. If you haven't seen it yet, well, you have to yeah. go see it. Oh, yeah. You can go fishing um, yeah, for cat and dog toys. Yeah. Oh, I got to go see yeah. this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, it was a big hit for the couple hours we were open yesterday, they said. So it was the first time we had tried that at Sherm. And um, a lot of times in the past, we brought Jack Hanna and the animals, of course, was a big draw for a lot of the human resource uh, leaders. But um, yeah, it's just getting those leads and being able to educate, right? Um, even though we have 9,000 employer groups and half the Fortune 500, um, to Heidi's point, going down market, yep. there are lack of awareness, right? And so, because they don't, their broker doesn't know about it or isn't sharing that information. So um, we just get a, a ton of organic direct leads. 
uh, and we follow up and of course they go back to work and, and reach out to their broker. I love that. If they're not working with a broker, can they work with you directly? Absolutely. Dumb question yeah. alert. It's Sorry. funny though, because that cluttered area, yeah. um, almost down to like 250 employees and up. So, it, you know, even the smaller companies use a benefit broker a lot of times now just to, right. because it's so cluttered. It's so much easier just to have someone recommend, yes. educate, package it, like you said. And well, so it's, it's, if, if we start with health insurance, it all looks like it's in Latin the first time you look at it. So someone actually explaining the Latin to you, uh, I can... I can give you a first-hand account of that, so I can see that. But I'm glad that they can go direct. If they need to go direct, they can go direct. Absolutely. What about yourself? What are you looking to get out of the, uh, out of the event? Yeah, much of the same, like Melissa said, to meet some of our existing customers, right, um, and learn about the other benefits that are being offered and how we might talk about them together as a value proposition um, and find new customers to offer the benefit to as well. I love it. I and love we, it. we get insights, right? So we go back to our broker partners and tell them what we hear, right? right? Insight as to what they're looking for, or any pain points, and uh, again, to help with our messaging then for them to add value to their clients. I love it. Thank you all so much for carving out time for us. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast live at Sherm 22. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.